broadcasting live from Business Radio X. It's time for Coach the Coach. Welcome to Coach the Coach Radio. I'm Lee Cantor, and today we're going to have a great show. Today we have with us Gary Schoniger, and he is with Entrepreneurial Learning Initiative. Welcome, Gary. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us what uh, you got going on at the Entrepreneurial Learning Initiative. So, so Lee, the idea is I became intrigued uh, uh, maybe 30 years ago. I became intrigued with this question, uh, uh, how do underdogs win? And I, I, this, you know, how do people who have no particular advantage in life, not intellectual, financial, academic, you know, political, how do people have nothing create something? And it, it led me down this fascinating path. I began to interview hundreds of underdog entrepreneurs around the country. People start with nothing. They don't have big ideas. They don't have a lot of money. And, and we're able to, to tease out in this research some really important things that can help people uh, not only better enable people to adapt and thrive in a rapidly changing world, but also equip people with the attitudes and skills that will enable them to make a greater contribution to the organizations and the communities that they inhabit. So that's what we're all about in a nutshell. Now, what was kind of the catalyst to this idea? Because a lot of folks have kind of given up on this, uh, what we used to call the American dream. And it sounds like you're a, a believer in that. And at least that folks that come from nothing can end with something if they um, maybe play an entrepreneurial card. That's exactly it, Lee. It, it's, it's like, it, it's almost like if you, like if once you understand the entrepreneurial mindset, it's almost like that movie, like the blue pill and the red pill, right? You just, so you'll see the world through a different lens, but, but uh, you know, we can talk about that in a minute. I'll answer your first question. How did I come on this? You know, I'm an underdog entrepreneur in my own right. And, you know, I never did well in, in high school. I didn't do well. Um, and I never went to college. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to have to figure something else out. I, I had a bunch of, uh, you know, meaningless, low paying jobs. One day I took a borrowed ladder, strapped it on the roof of my car, offered to clean the leaves out of people's gutters. And uh, that was sort of this, my first real entrepreneurial venture. And, uh, you know, it grew very quickly from there. And, and, you know, a few years later, I had a company that was doing several million dollars a year in revenue. And, Along the way, I got the idea one day, Lee, I, I saw a story. It was 1991. It was the end of, it was in January, um, 91. It was a recession. I saw a story in the newspaper about a man that had lost his job. It was, you know, it was a Metro section kind of a story, you know, human interest, his job's gone. It's not coming back. His unemployment benefits are running out. He, he can't find a new job. He's afraid of losing his home. And I got this idea that, you know, I've learned to think differently because I'm functioning in a different context as an entrepreneur. And I can see opportunities everywhere. Why can't he see them? And that was really the, 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 the moment that I got the idea. I thought, you know, if I could somehow deconstruct the mindset of the entrepreneur and figure out you know, how do entrepreneurs think? How is that different from the way the rest of us think? I can help people that have lost their jobs. This could be useful to people 
not just people who want to start a business, although it can certainly be useful for them, but it could be, you know, more broadly applied. It could help people in, in a much broader uh, uh, way. And uh, you use the word mindset. And I think that that's at the heart of this because it is, like you said, that kind of red pill, blue pill situation. Once you see something, it's hard to unsee it. And once you go right. from a life of pick me, I hope I get chosen to be this person and I'm going to win this lottery of success to I can choose myself and I can make my own way and I have more control over a situation than maybe uh, other people think there is control. I think that changes the game. It, it does, Lee. I mean, you got right on, you got right on it. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm forever trying to sort of break these concepts down into their most fundamental principles, right? And, and so we, we all live by exchanging something useful with each other, right? I mean, that's why we go to school, right? So we go to school to learn how to become useful. And you go out in the world, and who do you become useful to? To an employer, typically. And, and we're, you know, we don't realize the extent to which our systems of education sort of cultivate what I would call, for lack of a better term, an employee mindset, right? And what we don't, what, what people fail to realize, Lee, to your point, is that the more useful we become to other humans, the better off we're likely to be. And, and so this brings you to the realization that this is the blue pill, red pill moment, really, where, where you realize that, wait, what's stopping you from making yourself more useful to more humans, right? I started cleaning gutters, and I did what I said I was going to do for the price I agreed to do it, and people would start to ask me to solve other problems for them. And that's how gutter cleaning evolved into a multi-million dollar business, right? right? I was constantly focusing on what do other people need? How can I make myself more useful to more humans. That's the basic premise that we've lost sight of. And don't you think that it's almost a disservice that the education system isn't preparing uh, young people to have this entrepreneurial mindset? It is, like you said, to kind of get them a resume or um, not even skills, but maybe just uh, completion of courses that'll get them a job and that they don't even open their mind to the possibility of that they can be an entrepreneur. They can choose their own path. They can kind of um, create their own reality. They don't have to be a cog in a machine. They can kind of build the machine themselves. Right, right, right. That in, in, you know, Lee, you said a lot there, and I, 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 I'm a critic. I'm an I'm a critic of the education system, and and I, I would say that that, you know, if you wanted to design a, a mechanism by which we systematically distinguished, excuse me, extinguished the entrepreneurial spirit in young people. I can't think of a better way than standardized education. It, 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 and this is part of what I'm writing about in my new book, Lee, is that, is that we have to come to grips with this. We're creating innovators and entrepreneurs by accident rather than by design. So if you look at entrepreneurs, these are people who are creative. These are critical thinkers. They're able to identify and solve problems in resource-constrained environments, 
when the when the path isn't clear, when the rules aren't you know well established, when there isn't you know the resources to solve the problem, they're problem solvers. And when you get down to it and you look at the entrepreneur, these are highly resilient people that are the best suited to adapt and thrive in a rapidly changing world. They, they have the attitudes and skills that every student will need, every worker will need in the 21st century. Now, you know, most of us default to an assumption that entrepreneurs are somehow born with some sort of scientifically unfathomable genetic traits. And every once in a while, an entrepreneur falls out, you know, comes, falls off the tree. But it's not true. There, there, there's so many different situational factors that either encourage or inhibit the development of entrepreneurial attitudes, behaviors, and skills. I believe that non-entrepreneurial behavior is learned. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's a missed opportunity for businesses. Um, I, I don't think they should be kind of um, recruiting for cogs in the machine. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, recently about um, machine learning and artificial intelligence, and they said, if you can do your work by checklist, you're going to be replaced by a machine. You need problem solvers. You need people who can think who can anticipate things, who can empathize, who have human skills to understand, to sell, to persuade. These are skills that it's difficult for a machine to, to do, that only a human can do. And so we need more people with an entrepreneurial mindset. Well, well, another way of what you're saying, Lee, is like, why are we teaching com kids to compete with artificial intelligence? Right. We Thomas Friedman wrote about this some, some years ago, like, you know, a computer can become a grandmaster, a chess grandmaster in a matter of an hour or something or less. Something that would take decades for a human to do. Like, why are we teaching kids to compete with machine learning? It's just. Um, well, you, know, you have an important this is part of your initiative, right, is to help um, workplace leaders. It, it is. And a lot of what we do is we train educators how to cultivate entrepreneurial attitude, behaviors and skills in the classroom in in a in a in a, you know. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's one out of my head in sort of in, in a. Um, it, not it, in an interdisciplinary way. That, that's what I was trying to say. It's not just like entrepreneurship ain't just for entrepreneurs. Right. It shouldn't be. I, I, uh, we do work with a university in Georgia called Georgia State University, and they have an entrepreneurial program that's spread out across all the colleges. It's not for just the business folks. It's for anybody, anybody in any um, in any no matter what their major is, they can t take classes in the entrepreneurial uh, through the Entrepreneurial Institute. And yeah, and that's yeah. critical. That, that that's the way it has to be. That's the future. You need critical thinkers. You need people who are going to push back and, and um, you know, ask hard questions. And um, they're the ones who are going to innovate and, and find the edges to things. I, I'm with you 100%. So how do you do what you do? So are you working with schools and workplaces yeah. to get this kind yeah, of entrepreneurial yeah, yeah. So mindset? So we've developed a curriculum and a training program to help teachers. It's called the Ice House Entrepreneurship Program, the Ice House Entrepreneurial Mindset Programs, 
We've trained nearly 3,000 educators on five continents over the last 10 years. Uh, and it's really, you know, entrepreneurial learning is really emulates natural organic learning. And what we're, what we're encouraging teachers to do is to help their students find the intersection between their natural interests, their natural abilities, and the needs of other humans, right? So, so historically, we've done that, like figure out what you're good at in a way that'll become useful to an employer. And, you know, let's, let's dig into the context for a minute, Lee. You know, most of us have learned how to become useful to other humans within known systems, with known paths and predictable outcomes. And it's expected that we're going to work within an established organization where the useful thing has already been determined by someone else. And we're going to in, and we're going to fulfill a predetermined role within that organization. Right? As a result of, you know, your mindset is, a, is an adaptive, is an unconscious adaptive mechanism. And our brains adapt to that other directed linear. Uh, a routinized way of learning that other directed routinized way of working, which, you know, maybe 75 years ago, you could make the argument that that was the, the formula for success. I mean, you know, what I'm referring to as the employee mindset helped us build the United States, Right. In 1950s, you could leave high school, go in a factory, get a, you know, a good paying job that could support a family, send your kids to college. Uh, it worked for a moment, but it's not working. And, and now we need to teach students how to make themselves useful outside of known systems, right? How do you make yourself useful to another human outside of a predetermined path? You got a sharp stick and some bailing wire. You're out in the jungle. You got to figure out how to make yourself more useful. It requires attitudes and skills that anyone can learn to develop. They're just attitudes and skills that for most of us, we've never been given a chance to develop. They've atrophied. Right. But that's the thing. Children already get these things. If you leave a bunch of children alone, they're going to figure out ways to get along and to be productive and get things done in their own way. And we've slowly kind of um, killed all of that in terms of their creativity and their, um, you know, kind of critical thinking, their ability to persuade all of these skills that they need in the playground aren't being kind of developed as they go through school. They're told the exact opposite. Like you said earlier, just be quiet, sit down, do what you're told, teach to the test, get this good grades so and get to this good college and this good college, you're going to get to this good job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the mindset that once, and this is this is the the trick in our in our work here, Lee, is that, and this is a phenomenon across you know humanity, right? The mindset that was once absolutely essential for success is now the very same mindset that is maladaptive 
to the new reality, right? And the way our brain works is the circumstances change and we just double down on our prior beliefs rather than stepping back and trying to look at the world in a different way. Yeah, I mean, because change is hard. I mean, people who, uh, people don't want to change. Yeah, you know, I I, I met uh, uh, General Shinseki some years ago. I spoke at a, a Veterans Entrepreneurship Conference. And you'll recall, Eric Shinseki was the Joint Chief of Staff for the United States uh, Army. And he uh, gave a talk to a room full of generals in which he said, if you don't like change, you're going to like being irrelevant even less. And, and I thought that was the greatest thing because you're right. I mean, I think, Lee, you, you sort of hit on the, the, the crux of the issue which is that, you know, the need for safety and security are are powerful, fundamental needs. But the need for vitality and growth are also powerful needs. And those needs are often pulling, they're at odds with each other. Our need for vitality and growth is at odds with our need for safety and security and certainty. So, Part of what our training involves is teaching people how to preserve what they have, but to experiment what we call micro experiment. Try lots of little things that don't cost anything, maybe a little bit of time or a little bit of money, but you're, you're always learning. You're always out on the fringe testing new ideas. If you understand that this isn't about what you need. It's about figuring out how to help other people get what they need. And then you'll get what you need. And you start to learn how to experiment and try lots of little things. It's amazing what, what can be accomplished. I've got a, uh, uh, Jaime Kassap is a friend at, at, from Google Education. And he said, and I, I'm forever borrowing his quote from him. And now people are attributing it to me. It's frightening. But it's Jaime Kassap who said, let's stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up and let's ask them what problems they want to solve and what do they need to learn in order to solve those problems. That's how we shift the conversation. I don't think we need to bulldoze the buildings. I don't think we need to fire all the teachers. I think the shift is really subtle towards more uh, problem-based learning, more self-directed learning, more experiential learning, and more peer-to-peer learning, which is really what entrepreneurs sort of naturally do in the wild. Right. They have to take more more shots. They got to take more swings. They got to try more and fail more. So number one, you can get that that fear of failure where that's not a big deal. It's not something that I'm dreading. So I'm not going to try. It's something I do to learn to move the ball an inch. And if I Correct. keep moving the ball an inch, I'm going to get to where I want to go eventually. That's exactly right, Lee. It, it, it's what psychologists call this error-based learning. But, you, but like, we have to define failure because people talk about like, you know, fear of failure, but like, let's dig into that for a minute. Like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of like, putting your life savings and you know mortgaging your house and putting everything on the line like you should be terrified of that cuz that's not entrepreneurship that's gambling that's ridiculous right but, but that's that, that but that's people, part of the problem is that the media has kind of 
made villainized the business owner and the entrepreneur as this greedy person who exploits things. So there's like I a negative that, yeah. stigma to being a business owner and an entrepreneur that um, a lot of people so don't even want to choose that path because it seems immoral to them. Yeah, it seems immoral. It seems risky. It seems out of reach. It seems irrelevant. I, I totally agree with you, Lee. And I, you know, you know, look, some people hear the word entrepreneur and they think of Mark Zuckerberg type, some elite kid at an elite university with billions of dollars. You know, they just think that that's just so far out of my reality. Some people think of entrepreneur, like you said, negatively construed. And, and you know, look, here's the thing. There, there's good reason for either of those perspectives. There's a lot of people that are exploitative and, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is this, Lee, you know, whether you think of an entrepreneur as a Mark Zuckerberg type or an evildoer or, you know, a greedy money grubber, there's good reason to think this way. But I'm arguing that that's, that's because these are the ones that make headlines, right? Somebody does some kind of corporate malfeasance, they go off to jail or they get tried or they're in trouble or something, and that makes headlines. And so that skews our thinking about what an entrepreneur is. And it's really, you know, what we would call like a visibility versus representation issue. Right. Yes. I, I, Some I, entrepreneurs are, are crooks. There's no question about it. But when you get down on the ground level and start looking at the day-to-day, -day, the typical entrepreneur, I'm not seeing it. No, I'm not seeing it at all. That's all I do is interview entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs I interview are the ones grinding every day, just trying to survive and make a, a life for their family. They're the ones uh, helping the community, helping the school, helping the churches. They're the ones who are doing the hard work and not being appreciated every day. But a handful of entrepreneurs get all the, they suck all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. They're the yeah. ones that everybody pictures in their head when they think of entrepreneur and usually a handful of people are not kind of like you said, the masses, the economy of this country is built on the backs of entrepreneurs. If there weren't entrepreneurs, this country wouldn't be what it is. Well, that's that's right. I mean, people don't get that. Like the entrepreneurs, you know, it, 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 I, I think the number is 94 percent of all new jobs, Lee, come from companies with nine or fewer employees. Like 94% of all new jobs. This was published by the SBA. So, so when you look at the aggregate, it's the, the entrepreneur, the small guys are the backbone. It's, it's, the, it's the backbone of our economy. But it's not just the creation of new jobs. It's advancing our understanding of the world. It's solving problems from, you know, the most mundane problems to some of the, you know, most com complexing problems of our time. We need more people to be innovative and entrepreneurial. And, you know, here's the other part of the conversation, Lee. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we better wake up to this very quickly or we're going to find ourselves increasingly irrelevant on the global stage. I, I'm, I'm working with the Ministry of, of Education in South Africa. They have a mandate to put entrepreneurial mindset in the entire K-12 system. There is nothing like that on the horizon in the United States. Like the rest of the world is waking up to the fact that we need to cultivate this way of thinking in our schools in order 
to create robust, vibrant, and inclusive economies. And I think you know, we're going to get beat at our own game, Lee. We're, we're, you know, I travel around the world, lecture, and give trainings to, to, all over the world. And, and I, I, I kind of joke, like, you get 20 IQ points for being an American talking about entrepreneurship. That's going away. You know, people used to assume because you're an American, you know all about entrepreneurship. And I think we take it for granted here and and we're going to lose it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I, I see it with my own eyes. It's not it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. I mean, other countries have to take these shots and we have this curse of affluence where we think we got to figure it out and we don't have to to push the edges and be as hungry and grind as much. And that's not the case. And too many people in our country are falling behind because they don't have this entrepreneurial mindset. That, that's it. And, and Lee, you know, you said it's the curse of, of what did you say a second ago? The, the, the curse, curse of affluence. affluence. That That's a hundred percent. You know, I've interviewed about 500 of these underdogs all over the world in, in Chile and in Argentina, America, Mexico, Canada, South Africa. And, you know, the, the patterns are quite clear to me, but it's astonishing to me how people of, of you know, ordinary intelligence with no, no distinguishable anything can do extraordinary things. And we're completely overlooking that. And that's what our work has really been about, Lee, is this. In the observation of what I would call the unlikely entrepreneurs or the underdog entrepreneurs, you know, what I'm looking for are the common and replicable factors in their stories, in their language, in, in, you know, in their methods, in their mad madness. Like what's common and replicable? There's a lot to be learned from these underdogs that, that can help people adapt and thrive in this rapidly changing world that we now find ourselves in. So what could we be doing to help you? What do you need more of right now? So we need, uh, what we need is to have help really help educators understand and policymakers understand community stakeholders understand that, uh, non-entrepreneurial behavior is learned. You can deliberately, that the entrepreneurial inclination is part of the human spirit. And you can cultivate that in your classroom, at home, in your classroom, in your community, in your organization. That's what we've developed the expertise to do, to learn how to cultivate entrepreneurial attitudes and skills in your students, in your workforce, in your communities. There, there, I, I, I co-wrote a book called Who Owns the Ice House? The Eight Life Lessons from an Unlikely Entrepreneur, which tells the story of one of the entrepreneurs that I interviewed who grew up in the Mississippi Delta to a teenage mommy, was born an African-American, uh, Clifton Talbert, born to a teenage mother in 1945 in a poor cotton community. He was relegated to the cotton fields. And when he was 13 years old, he went to work with his uncle who owned the local ice house. And Lee, he described his uncle to me as a guy with a fourth or a fifth grade education, but he was the only guy that had money in the bank. And he was always learning. He was always tinkering, he was always trying things. And it, it, was a, it was a remarkable story. We took 200 interviews and distilled it into one story. Uh, 
who owns the ice house? Ooh. Eight life lessons from an unlikely entrepreneur. And the I mean, thing it's an easy, it's an easy way to engage with us to kind of get, get a, a quick look at some of these ideas. And, and even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur and start your own thing, having an entrepreneurial mindset will make you a better employee. Well, Lee, I, I think of it like this. If you, if you have a hundred people in a room, you know, any demographic, how many people want to start your own business? Some number of hands are going to go up depending on the age, the demographic, whatever, but not all of them. You ask the same group of people, how many of you want to discover an opportunity? How many hands are going up? They're all going up, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurial process is an opportunity discovery process. That's all it is. I define it. Lee, it took me 30 years to come up with this definition, and it's really straightforward, but it speaks to your point. Entrepreneurship is the self-directed pursuit of opportunities to create value for others. And by creating value for others, we empower ourselves. Now, see, that definition, you can embrace that definition regardless of where you are, where you stand, where you currently work or learn or live. You don't need to drop out of school. You don't need to quit your job. You don't need to start a business. You got to learn how to make yourself more useful to more humans. And the more useful you become, the more empowered you're going to become. And I don't mean empowered just in terms of economic. I mean, you're going to become optimally engaged. You're going to become more socially, uh, uh, you're going to experience more social and psychological well-being, right? Yeah. Bruce Lee had this quote, which he said that the successful warrior is nothing more than a common man with a laser focus. And I'm saying that the successful entrepreneur is nothing more than a, an ordinary person with a compelling goal. That's it's just, it's really as simple as that. Well, Gary, Figure thank you. Figure out how to use what it is naturally interesting to you, what you're capable of becoming good at. Figure out how to help other humans with that, and you'll be on your way. Well, Gary, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. If somebody wants to learn more about the Entrepreneurial Learning Initiative, what's the best way to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? Uh, it's We're at, at elimindset.com. That's E-L-I-Mindset. So Entrepreneurial Learning Initiative is the name of the company, elimindset.com. I'm on social media at G Shoniger. You can find me on social media everywhere. Happy to help. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today, Lee. Thank you again for sharing your story. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 